Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. At the core, any community, it doesn't have to be in Brownsville, any community around this world, if you do the simple things that require the human element of caring and loving and being present, it shifts the dynamics and trajectory for the lives of children, period. And so that's what I do for these kids. It's just offering them hope in a state of what's considered helpless. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Before we start, I wanted to share one quick thing. If you're loving the show and you want to bring the idea of Unmistakable to your next company event or conference, visit unmistakablecreative.com slash speaking to fill out the contact form and learn more. And as always, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at HostGator. So we're right around the corner from the end of the year, and maybe there is an online project of some sort that you've been putting off or something that you've been wanting to start. And I always say the first really easy step in doing that is to buy the domain, take the path of least resistance and at least get the ball rolling. And fortunately, our friends at HostGator are perfect to be able to help you do that because they're providing 30% off all of their hosting packages for unmistakable creative listeners. They have 24-7 live support via phone, chat, and email. If you want to move from another hosting provider, they'll assist you and it's completely free. So visit hostgator.com slash creative and use the promo code creative at checkout for 30% off. Nadia, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, it is really, really cool to have you here. So I actually stumbled up on your book and your work uh, when somebody in my Instagram feed posted a link uh, when I saw the book. And then I went and kind of did some digging and and saw the whole story uh, about the work that you're doing as a principal. And I I was just blown away by, by the kinds of things that are happening in education and the kind of work that you're doing. But before we get into all of that, Um, I want to start with uh, another question, and this is, what did you want to be when you grew up, and how did that end up shaping the choices that you've made about your life and your career, and and how has that impacted, you know, the way you you lead kids? Well, actually, um, I grew up believing that I would be a nurse, and that was heavily influenced by my mom. Um, I really, really loved science. I was pretty much a self-proclaimed geek. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in elementary and middle school, I went to a gifted school, but I love science and I was fascinated by biology and the study of the mind and computers. Um, but my mother was a nurse's assistant. And so she always kind of put it in my mind that I should never be the person who has to take orders. I should always be the person who gives orders. Mm-hmm. And so, um, growing up, 
around the healthcare field um, and seeing just the power that nurses had as opposed to like in terms of their interaction, as opposed to how the doctors interacted with their patients Mm -hmm. to me just spoke about the human quality um, and connection that happens in that profession. So when I went to college, I graduated from Wagner college um, with my bachelor's in nursing. Um, But I was really fascinated by critical care nursing because you're dealing one-on-one with a smaller population of patients as opposed to having 25 patients. I only had, I was assigned about four. And obviously because they're in critical care, they are basically in a life or death situation. And so I found myself wanting to just know how a person ended up in the hospital under those circumstances and finding out about their family and understanding their own personal history and, um, It was intriguing, but when you first get into nursing, you just don't get into critical care. You have to do med surge for about, you know, three to five years. And I was just like, I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. And I get bored very, very easily. Um, And I found that to be really true when I was on a med surge floor, pediatrics floor. Um, I tried telemetry. It just didn't work. And so literally I went to work for Verizon, the phone company after I graduated, because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And Verizon was willing to provide really great benefits a really great pay. And, um, and also just give me the opportunity of going back to school if I wanted to. And because I worked for account collections, I dealt with the most irate customers and I realized that they weren't upset with the fact that I cut off their phone. They're upset with their circumstances as to why they even got into that situation, hmm. which went back to the whole nursing thing about finding out about people's behaviors and the choices that they make and how they end up in their situations. Hmm. Um, so I say that all to say, like when it came down to going into education, I was inspired by my daughter um, and just knowing that someone would have to impact her life and um, shape her the way my parents who were immigrants, uh, trusted the educators in my life, um, to have great influence. But once I became an educator, I realized that all of the training that I got as a nurse, the holistic approach of listening to people, to understanding the whole person, especially children who are the most disadvantaged, who have been disenfranchised, um, really understanding the dynamics and the culture of their community and really understanding that their circumstances are beyond their control and how we can make a difference by giving them the skills and strategies that would make them successful in life. So that's how I approach my, my um, profession as a teacher. And that's what I use as an administrator today. Mm. So, you know, um, from the nursing background, I'm curious what people who are dying taught you about living. Um, You know, I had to resuscitate a lot of patients. Um, And the reason why I point that out is because you watch how behind closed doors, it was oftentimes the family members weren't there. And I could be talking to that patient in the morning as early as 6 in the morning, and my shift would end at 6 p.m. I did 12-hour shifts. And by four o'clock, there was like this, this decline in just in how they communicated. And it was almost as though 
in their last moments, they're still, they, there's a message, there's something that's unresolved that they still want to convey, whether it was to someone that they loved or some situation that happened in their, in their lifetime. Um, and for those patients who we were able to bring back to life, um, some of them, let's say, would be on, child, on life support, um, it gave an opportunity for their family members to say their goodbyes, it gave the opportunity um, for us in the healthcare profession to figure out, you know, ways that we can do better by that person. Mm-hmm. But for those who actually pass away, um, it's almost like finding the peace that they didn't have and letting go when they needed to. And it's, it's a strange thing to say. I, you know, I literally watched the patient. I remember him like talking to angels in a room and I, I kept looking like he was literally talking and he kept looking around the room and he was like, you don't see them. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't see. And he was like the angel, she's standing right there. Um, and then having to tell his wife after 60 years that, you know, he had passed away and, you know, it's just the it's the it's the human quality, it's the connection, it's the it's the spirit of of being, and just knowing that on the other side there still is that connection to life, even though when people are gone, um, physically they're not there, spiritually they still remain with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's interesting to me is the the change from nursing to Verizon to being a principal because you know like if you were to plan out a career trajectory I don't think anybody could actually map those out on some sort of linear map because they all seem so different Um, yeah I am very curious you know what in the world led from you know the transition from Verizon to saying you know what I want to take what I've learned at Verizon and go and apply it in the world of education because that doesn't seem like the most natural sort of um, transition in my mind Well, honestly, it actually is probably the best transition. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain to you why. Education is a business. And you have to understand the dynamics of how organizations are built. You have to understand how numbers um, really impact your outcomes and how um, decisions are made. And, you know, um, it's something that I deal with day to day. So, Going from nursing where you learn about the whole person and you're so focused on the individual and then going into a climate where you're just focused on the end results and getting all you can out of this person in terms of the numbers. And then you go into education where there has to be a balance between understanding the child, but Mm. then you still have these outcomes. You know, I think it was actually the best preparation because business can be very cutthroat. And when you're in the education system, it comes down to how much money is spent on professional development, how much money is spent on curriculum, how much money is spent on teacher salary, how much investment you put into balancing your budget and making sure that all the needs are met. And when you don't have the money, what do you need to cut um, in order to still prioritize what you're trying to do in terms of the vision of your school? Mm -hmm. Um, It's all of those skills that you need in order to be savvy and to stay ab- above the rest. Mm. Um, and everyone doesn't have that opportunity to be a career changer and understand those dynamics. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I think it, it's really interesting that you said education is a business, which, yeah. um, you know, I, I think of, you know, I get what you're saying. And in my mind, I always thought, you know, shouldn't education be a service? But I understand where you're coming from. And I'm wondering how you balance those two, you know, <laughs> seeming contradictions that this should be a business, but it also should be a service to, to the people that we're teaching. So the reality is that it really should be a service. And if we took it as a service, if we really invested in human capital and putting children's needs first and really understanding what allows for um, the pathways for success for all students in our public school systems, um, then we would be fine. Mm -hmm. We would come up with solutions all the time. But unfortunately... Money is made, and it's a lot of money. It's almost like the healthcare industry where people come in, they peddle their products. And whether it's a new textbook, whether it's a new um, piece of technology that's state of the art that's going to advance your classrooms, people are pushing ideas. And as a school, you are then evaluated on how progressive your school is based off of the type of curriculum you have, based off of the type of technology that's in your building. And if I say, you know what, I just want to focus on the essence of teaching and I don't feel we need all of this technology, I'm considered, you know, defiant to the process and I'm not really equipping my kids with what they need. And I'm and part of the issue is that a lot of our kids who get out into the workforce have no idea of how to use critical thinking skills because we've given them everything. Mm -hmm. We don't allow them to grapple with anything anymore. Um, so as a principal, the balance for me hasn't is not as hard only because, again, of my training and background, I recognize what it is. And I understood the system that was put in place by um, the then Mayor Bloomberg and what he was trying to accomplish. Um, and so I have to be an advocate. I have to put my foot down sometimes and say, that's not my priority and that's my, not my focus. Um, making sure my children have a safe, nurturing environment with teachers who really care about their profession and want to learn their craft is more important to me than wasting $30,000 that we really don't have um, to put in some piece of technology that in two years is going to be obsolete and just takes up more space. Mm -hmm. um, but it is an evaluative process. They, we are all ranked against each other. Um, the numbers depend, uh, determine the success of each principal. Um, it, tells school, it tells the public whether we're failing kids or we're doing right by them. Even some of the most successful and competitive schools, if the highest level of kids who are the hardest ones to move don't um, show the progress that they need, they're not considered sometimes the best schools. Um, so it's a scale that's un un oftentimes unapologetic in its process, um, but we're all subjected to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting you brought up vision. I mean, that, that's what I appreciated so much about uh, both the book and the TED Talk, which we'll, we'll link up uh, in you know, the show notes. But I, I'm curious, you know, when you started uh, Mott Hall Bridges, what, you know, what was your vision for the, what this could become and what would it, would it be? Well, I honestly, my, initially my vision was to create this dynamic school that focused on STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, because it's a um school in a predominantly um 
a black and Latino area. I wanted to remind my scholars um, by having them wear purple and black that they're descendants of greatness. And um, they are the creative of creative things such as engineering, arts and math. Um, but the reality came down to I was getting kids from within the neighborhood who had no idea of the importance of these disciplines, who were failing in elementary school, who had the lowest proficiency rates um, and were dealing with a lot of um, personal challenges and didn't have parents who were actively involved in schools. And so that vision uh, quickly shifted to just, again, creating a safe learning environment where children develop a love for learning and a love for being present in school. Um, and then I had to develop a lot of programming that was focused on, um, it was gender specific. So our She Is Me that focuses on our young women and empowering them by um, connecting them with mentors and women who are doing dynamic things in their community and sharing their journey and having workshops. And the same holds true for our young men through I Matter where we engage them in dialogue and on weekly mentorship program where um, they can discuss the issues that are, are occurring in their community and come up with um, strategies about how to improve um, the neighborhood that they live in and be connected to the world at large. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it's about, I don't really say it's about so much innovation. People will look at it like, wow, she's taking an innovative approach. I actually think I'm just taking a common sense approach by seeing that there's a problem and there's a need. Mm -hmm. What is the way that we can handle um, developing solutions for those that we are serving? Um, because we don't have the money, how do we leverage relationships through our networks? And how do we hold accountable to folks who say that they care and want to be present by making sure that we um, create that type of environment that is open to them coming in and doing the work that we need to get done. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I very distinctly remember uh, one of my favorite parts of the book was when you said, you know, you, you refer to your students as scholars. And uh, I mm -hmm. thought that was so brilliant. But I'm curious where that came from. And, you know, what was the reasoning behind, um, you know, not referring to them as students, but scholars? Well, it actually came from um, the notion that when you think about a scholar, you think of someone who's highly intelligent, who is always studying and someone who's always um, going above and beyond um, the eight to two thirty or eight to three um, that is usually comprised of what school hours are and wanting to do more in order to better themselves and in order to be um, excel. Mm -hmm. And I was also having a conversation with, um, a woman by the name um, of Tracy Collins. And, you know, she would always say how when she opened, she had a school, how she would refer to her kids as scholars. And it changes just the confidence in children, just knowing that you don't see them as, um, you don't see them just as students that only come and, and are will, willing to work during, like I said, the assigned school hours. So when I I thought about it. I thought about the colors. I thought about the name of the schools. I wanted to be very intentional. So um, how I would address the children, I could have called them kings and queens because that's how I see them. But then that's just the gender um, specificity that comes with it. It just it would be too much. It would be too taxing. So I thought about them understanding that they are lifelong learners, that anywhere that they go, whether it's 
as a child or as an adult, they have a responsibility to continue their learning mm-hmm. and that they need to own um, and accept who they are in this world um, by continuously not only learning, but teaching others what they've learned. Um, so scholars just sound perfect. And that's what we've been calling our children ever since we've opened the school. Hmm. I love that. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by HostGator. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're right around the corner from the end of the year. And it's possible that you have a project or series of online projects that you have been holding off. And one of the easiest ways I always say to get started is just to buy the domain. Even if you do nothing else, just buying the domain at least gets the wheels in motion. And that's where our friends at HostGator come in because they're providing 30% off all of their hosting packages for unmistakable creative listeners. They have 24-7 live support via phone chat and email. And let's say you hate your hosting provider currently, well, HostGator makes it super easy to move and it's completely free. So visit HostGator.com slash creative and use the promo code creative at checkout for 30% off. Um, well, you know, for our listeners, can you give us a glimpse? I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but can you give us a more in-depth glimpse into, you know, what the lives of these students are like, like the backgrounds they come from, the challenges that they face? Uh, because, you know, that, that to me really was so eye-opening as somebody who's never, you know, been in a school district like the one that I know you work in. Okay, so um, Brownsville consists of 80,000 residents. We are a neighborhood that is one mile radius. Um, It is located in Brooklyn. It's um, described as the poorest and most violent neighborhood in New York City. Um, In terms of demographics, um, only 32% of the residents have a high school Diploma, 14% have a college degree and 3% have their master's. The average income rate is $28,000 for residential homes and $11,000 for those who live in housing developments, which are known as projects. We have the highest rate of HIV and AIDS compared to all of New York City that ages from age 11 to 21, as well as cancer, diabetes, cholesterol, and hypertension. Um, We are considered part of the food desert, which means um, we lack fresh produce, um, oftentimes in our supermarkets. Um, And 80% of New York State population um, that is incarcerated comes from areas like Brownsville. East New York, Far Rockaway, and the Bronx. So when we talk about a school-to-prison pipeline, we are um, the ones who actually provide the individuals who are sitting in jail cells throughout New York City and New York State. Um, And in terms of my numbers, I only get seven children per year out of the 80 um, children that come into my uh, incoming sixth grade every year who's on grade level. So that's about 7% of children who are proficient in um, English and math. Um, So the majority of my kids come in at a third grade reading level and we start our school in sixth grade and we only go up to eighth grade and 30% of my kids have special needs. Wow. Yeah. Um, So 
to yeah, say the least, yeah. um, that's where my mantra comes from that I opened the school to close a prison because when you listen to those statistics, anyone in their right mind, I guess, for many people, as they said to me, you know, would never want to open up a school. Um, but again, it goes back to why I call my, my children scholars and why I've coined them Brownsville Brilliance because I see their potential. Um, just based off of the resist the resilience that they've developed to even survive under these circumstances. Wow, um, you know, so one of the the things that we we often talk uh, about with many of our guests is the impact that environment has on our lives, ranging from our physical environment to the people that we're surrounded with, and how profound uh, of an impact it can have on our lives, our work, and everything that we accomplish. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I see you as somebody who helps people overcome an incredibly challenging environment. And I'm curious, you know, what have your students taught you about overcoming environments that are difficult and challenging? Um, so I guess I should be um, clear and transparent in, in sharing that. I don't know if it's so much just what they've taught me, but it's what we've been able to share with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because growing up, I, I grew up during um, the notorious crack era in which our communities were flooded with um, crack and it destroyed many of our neighborhoods and it, the crime rate surged and a lot of people were being killed and um, violence was just evident everywhere and AIDS was um, a topic of discussion and there was just a lot of mayhem that was going on and a lot of depressive situations that we had to deal with. Um, and we had gangs. <laughs> gangs were, you know, it was prevalent throughout our communities. Yet I had to go from a gang infested neighborhood in Crown Heights and deal with the drugs and prostitution that was on the corners and um, all of the crack files that I had to jump over to get to the train station to then go to Fort Greene, Brooklyn and deal with the Decepticons. And so when many of your listeners and people who follow this have never had to deal with that. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's, you're fighting a war, and it's not something that has to... You know, people may say, unless you you are overseas in another land. No, we were fighting wars as kids who were poor in these communities. So when I come to Brownsville and I look at my kids, I just see what I had to face. And the difference between them and myself is that, one, I had a mother who was relentless, who was going to find the best schools and she didn't care what neighborhood, if it was the most dangerous neighborhood with the best school, I was going to go there without any excuses Um, because she grew up poor and she grew up in Guatemala. And so she was just like, there's no excuse. That's what we do. We go to school and you're going to learn. And that's what we came to this country for a better life. And that was it. Um, So, and then I had teachers who were just like, you know, it doesn't matter your zip code. It doesn't matter your color. Um, I had white teachers who were phenomenal, who just believed that children need to learn. And no matter what their circumstances are, as long as they have a loving, loving and nurturing environment, they can thrive. And as long as you instill in them that they are great, they will believe it. But there's power in words and there's power in how you are present. And, you know, sometimes it's show me better than you can tell me. So teachers who weren't absent, teachers who showed up every day, teachers who were willing to buy kids white shirts and press them so that, you know, on assembly days, all of the kids who maybe couldn't afford um, to have a new white shirt came prepared so that we can get accommodations of the year or whatever the case may be. It just instilled a sense of pride and that someone cared. And so at the at the core, 
any community, it doesn't have to be in Brownsville, any community around this world, if you do the simple things that require the human element of caring and loving and being present, it shifts the dynamics and trajectory for the lives of children, period. And so that's what I do for these kids. It's just offering them hope in a state of what's considered helpless. Mm. Wow, that was beautiful. You know, there's a line in your book, a phrase that I remember, I, I, quote, I underlined this, you know, you, you talked about being a voice that has nothing to do with obligation or obedience. And I thought that was so, so interesting, especially as somebody who's in a position of leadership. And I'm curious how you balance that with being as tough as you are, because I know you are from having read the book. <laughs> um, so Brian Tracy, um, he is uh, what you would consider a self-help author has a quote that says, be the type of leader that people follow, even if you don't have the title. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And so all the things that I do now as an administrator, as a principal of Mott Hubbard's Academy is not because of my title. It's because it's the right thing to do. Um, all the things that I do is um, not based off of my title, but it's something that I feel like I'm expected to do. And I learned my mom, who from the time I was a young child, always made sure that um, I traveled back to Guatemala and I visited family members and I got to see what poverty really looks like. And she made it our obligation to always give back to those who don't have, um, whether it was through clothes, whether it was through food. Um, and oftentimes um, just monetary supporting um, some of my family members to get through school. Um, so I, I've always had that example, but I also remember those principles, not the principles, but actually the teachers who, you know, they, they always gave of themselves and they never complained about how much money they had to spend in order to help kids out. They never complained about the hours they had to put in. They just believed in being present. Um, so that's what I do. Wow. Um, what do you, what are the misperceptions that you think people who aren't familiar with these kinds of districts are, or these kinds of areas in our country, uh, have about students and these schools? I think that there is a perception that they choose to live this way. I think there's a, a perception that, um, parents want to fail kids, that they want to live off of, um, others and don't want to work and don't want to like be progressive. And again, if you've never been deprived, disenfranchised, denied your, um, the rights of what it is to truly be in a free nation, if you don't know that, then you can't judge anyone. You know, times that I've read an article um, and I always say this to uh, people who have written for the New York Times who, um, like Winnie Wu, I love her. She came in and she did our first article ever. I was like, you know, there were articles that had been written at least twice a year by several publications. And every time you Google it, it would just talk about gangs, death, poverty. And as soon as it starts out, it is the poorest place. And I said, you know, every time you all do that, you never, ever write 
about a solution. You always start out with the negative. The entire article is negative, And then it just leaves people feeling like, my God, this is the worst place on earth. I said, and then you came here to do your article. You weren't shot. You weren't robbed. You weren't, um, you know, put in a position where you felt unsafe. People actually talk to you so that you could get your article going, but you don't put that in your paper. You don't put, you don't ever ask them, what can we do to help you? Or what can society do to support what's going on here? No one ever writes that in the article. Instead, you exploit those who um, are the most vulnerable. And that's unfair. And so I feel like I'm charged with changing the narrative and controlling the content that says there are brilliant, beautiful children who live here. And there are parents who are going through situations that none of us as adults would ever want to deal with. Um, And we can't judge them. We can't judge a mom for having multiple children because guess what? 40 years ago, 50 years ago, people came from large families. So don't judge them on how many kids they have. Let's just start having good conversations about what's missing in these communities. Show up and start helping people develop skills that they can create their own businesses, that they can start strategizing how they can improve their communities. And say that you even care by just being present, right? Like the beauty behind... Humans of New York, posting a child, which is one of my scholars, Vidal Shastnett, on this popular blog, saying that I am his greatest influence and the story going viral and a million people liking it was because they could connect to the fact that there was some adult in the school system who really, really, truly touched their lives and went above and beyond the call of duty and loved doing what they did. They were passionate about it. And you felt every fiber of what that person was trying to instill in you every single day. So you never miss school because you never wanted Miss Williams or Miss Matley to ever be upset that you you weren't there because they would say, where were you? I missed you. And you didn't want to disappoint them, right? Everyone could connect to that story. And so those individuals who understood that I, as their principal, wanted this opportunity to take my kids to the place where they never thought ever in the million years they can ever go, which would be a Harvard University. Mm -hmm. Not to say they're all going to make it to Harvard, but geez, let them just go and visit and see it for themselves. And if not this generation, then maybe the next generation will be impacted when they tell the story of how they made it there just on a school trip. That spoke volumes because that was people around the world who some only had two dollars but were willing to consider this part of their dream as well. That speaks volumes. That changes lives. That tells me that we have the power to do what we need to in order to change our world and stop waiting for anyone in an office to do it for us. Hmm. Um what what would you say? I know that you know. Uh, I, I read some stories in the book about some of the, the really bad things that have happened. To what would you say have been the most difficult and darkest hours of of your time in Brownsville, um, at Mott Hall Bridges, and how did you navigate them, and what did you learn from them? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it started off like I describe in the book, just the mere fact that I didn't have kids, and I really realized how, despite the opportunity to open up a school. And being given this tremendous um, gift of 
creating something new, <laughs> the support that I thought I was going to have wasn't there. And so I was out here every single day, um, Monday through Sunday, from nine in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, going to block parties, um, going to the library, parks, everywhere, anywhere, housing developments. I was there just trying to find parents who would trust me enough to sign their kids up. Um, then I opened the school and the kids who signed up because the parents thought I was crazy enough to do that. Um, they had the most challenging kids, children who literally burned the bathrooms, um, children who choked each other out. Um, those whose parents threatened us and that meant my team and myself, um, you know, those probably were considered the darkest hours. And, um, and although we increased the number of bodies in our school, so we went from 45 kids the first year to 120, and then eventually we went to 210. Um, by the time it was January 2015 and the story came out on Humans of New York, I was just exhausted and I was overwhelmed and I, I literally was depressed because I felt like I was fighting a battle by myself. I felt like, you know, inside it's like I'm doing the best that I can and I'm trying to do right in terms of children and create this wonderful opportunity that any child should, should ever experience. And I'm having to fight so many battles. I'm having to fight against the very system I work for to prove that these children, um, are deserving to be valued beyond just state numbers on a test that is virtually impossible for many children to pass. And it doesn't matter if you're in a poor neighborhood or if you're in a most affluent neighborhood, which is why a lot of parents decide they want their children to test out. Um, and then having to fight with parents and telling them it's important for you to be involved and having to fight with the kids and telling them why it's important for them to come to school. And then having to fight with the teachers that they care enough to want to come back and service these kids. And so I just felt exhausted and I'm a mother, right? Like I have my own kid who's in um, high school and I'm spending more time doing this work than I'm able to actually provide her with the attention she needs because I'm trying to make sure that everyone is getting the time and attention and the service that they need. And so I hit a wall and I can no longer play the role of superwoman and I can no longer, um, I can no longer run the rat race. And I'll be honest, like I shared this with a lot of people and, and the worst thing that anyone could ever say when you're going through that time period is like, you'll be okay. Like this is, you know, it's all right. You know, you're a principal, you know, this is what happens. You'll be okay. And it's like, no, it's not. That's it's, This is not normal. You shouldn't have to push against a wall this hard. Um, and so it was overwhelming. Um, and I was ready to quit. And I told my mom, I was writing my letter of resignation. I was sobbing uncontrollably and I was ready to be done. Um, but there, for me, it was power and prayer. Um, I just thank God for, you know, for choosing me. He brought me this far and, and I can just literally think back to 
you start at the school with no kids and then how much kids do you have? You know, you remember you only had five rooms. Now you have an entire floor. Remember how you had to fight for just the colors to be purple and cream in the building and look at your wall, your floor now. It's beautiful. And I just thought about everything that I was able to accomplish and why I do the work that I do. And in that moment, once I prayed through it, that same evening is when Brandon put up that post with Vidal and it kind of just like validated. This is why you do the work that you do, even though you don't see it, even though you don't feel it. It just takes one child to remind you that you have a purpose in this world. Wow. So two questions uh, about Harvard and humans of New York. Um, what are some of the unexpected outcomes uh, of exposing kids to this level of possibility that you've seen? And, and what would you say are the outcomes that you're most proud of in the lives of your students? Um, so the, the, the outcome when it comes to um, having the kids go to Harvard really was for them to not ever put limitations on their life. And we don't just go to Harvard. We now go to um, a state and city universities and um, historically black colleges and universities as well, just so that they can get a well-rounded um, experience. And now with our, our, our kids who graduated, um, who were our alumni, they also participate in our alumni association in which they travel. They've gone to Wagner College, where I graduated from, and some have gone to Yale and it gives them the ultimate um, opportunity for them to just know that there are options. Um, so some of them may not go to college, but they do know that they can um, embark on a career. Um, and they do know that they have the support of our school. Um, and that they, if it's not for them, that they can share this information with somebody in their family or the next generation to come. Um, the second part of your question was what have I seen as a result or the impact is more so, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than the day of graduation and watching how children who came in in sixth grade who were, could have been defiant, but very rambunctious, who were challenging, but now are appreciative, um, who did not read on grade level, but to take texts. Um, can state a claim and provide um, supportive details to um, support their work. Like it's, it's the most beautiful and rewarding experience. And to see their parents, many of them who didn't graduate from middle school themselves, to see the hope and to be so proud and present in that moment, it's, it's overwhelming. It's exciting. It's, um, it's, it's the purpose. It's, it's why I do what I do. Um, and now my first graduating class, they're seniors. And so they come back because we're um, supporting them around um, college selections and writing their essays for their um, scholarships. And, you know, they're grown and they're tall and they're, <laughs> and they still come back home because this is their home. And, and it's, it's why I opened up a school. Wow. So a lot of parents listen to our show. Uh, I would be yeah. curious uh, what you'd want them to know and what you'd want to tell them. 
Um, remind your children of their greatness because that starts at home. You know, children develop their confidence and their ability to navigate through this world um, based off of the modeling that we show them at home. So praise them every step of the way. Be present. Well, it doesn't matter how far removed you are from the school system. You have to go in. Um, so that one, you understand what are the changes that have been going on in our education system from the time you've been there. And you can also discern whether or not it makes sense what we're doing in the school system so that you can have informed conversations with teachers and administration. Um, because, you know, policies are created because oftentimes there is no advocacy from the parent level. And parents actually make the most difference. It's really not about the principal. It's not about the teacher's parents can make the most difference in the educational process. Um, and then support your kids in, in how creative they are. You know, um, like I said, I started out with the vision of becoming a nurse because that's what my mom wanted. And then I decided I was going to go become an account collections representative and then going into education and every step of the way, I know my mom was like, I cannot believe you. And <laughs> why are you not like you want to do with your life? But at the same time, she had to support me and going through that process allowed me to actually find what my passion is. So every kid is different. Um, how they learn is different. If your child has special needs, know your rights. Um, look online, find out federal mandates, acts demand, not just acts demand that you know what your child is entitled to. Just because they learn differently does not make them different in terms of their capabilities. You know, we just have to figure out what's the best mode in which we need to support them both at home and at school. Um, you know, your children are your gift. And when they enter the school system, you're obliging those of us who are the adults in, in the school system to value that. And so don't ever allow yourself um, the opportunity of not being part of the process of knowing who is in your child's life. Because then you, you turn over your power to those that you know nothing about and you, know, you don't know their intentions. Wow. So... Um I, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If you could make any requests to our audience uh, who are listening, what would it be? Um, so a couple of requests. Please buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> of course. The Bridge to Brilliance. And the reason why I say that is not just a story about education in terms of, um, you know, it's not about teaching pedagogy. It's not the strategies of creating better classrooms. It's, it's how to be better as a person in this world and understanding the stories of children um, and teachers and how we are all human um, and how all things are possible with a little bit of hope um, and dedication. That would be one. Two, there are so many schools that just need the support and presence um, of people and it doesn't require money. Sometimes it's just human capital. It, it might be just who's in your networks, who can offer assistance, whether it's mentorship, whether it's, you know, donating computers or a printer or helping kids read. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be in poor neighborhoods. Sitting in classrooms and helping kids read is the most beneficial thing that could ever happen in our school systems. Um, so 
find out what schools are available in your community, gather your friends up and make a pledge. If it's not once a month, three times a year to just be present and help out. And you can also go on donorschoose.com um, to invest in projects that teachers have um, to best help their um, community in their classrooms. Um, in terms of Mount Hope Bridges Academy, we do a lot of phenomenal work. Um, my seventh graders have to um, go through an entrepreneurship program. And that was really important because when I shared the t- statistics of the average income mean, when you're in a community that's impoverished, I mean, you don't just sit around and just say, okay, you're poor and that's your life. You try to figure out the best ways of educating children to have a better life, not only for themselves, but their family. So they're the most creative when they're in middle school. They have dynamic ideas and we want to sit there and help cultivate their passions at a young age. So it's kind of like Shark Tank. They have to present their ideas um, and they, they actually win monetary prizes and they go before other judges outside of our school. So it's amazing. Um, And we do a lot of STEAM-focused programming, whether it's robotics, um, culinary arts, um, veterinary science dissections, um, coding. We do a number of things. And I do that because if I don't do this with my children, they'll never get that experience. They'll never meet someone at Twitter or Facebook um, and be able to see that there are people who look like them, who exist in these areas that are often... um, marginalized um, in the media. And so if you want to help out, you can always follow the Lopez effect, which are my social media handles and Mount Hall Bridges as well. Um, And we always post things up in in what we need help with. Um, But presence and support, if people want to come visit, they can always email us. We would love that. Awesome. Um, well, this has been just phenomenal and, and as I expected it would be. So I have one final question for you, which is, is how we finish all our interviews at the unmistakable creative. Sure. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Um, I always think it's genuine presence. Um, you know, people make a, you make a first impression just by your, how you interact and, you can't deny someone's spirit. You can't, you can't deny it. So I hope that in this conversation, um, what was unmistakable was my passion and my love for what I do and how I want to make sure every child um, takes over this world and always making sure that people are the best that they can be. Well, um, like I said, this has been just <laughs> phenomenal. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story and your insights with the listeners. This <clears throat> this was a very important message for me to want to spread, so I, I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, thank you, and I'm sorry for all the noise, but, you know, <laughs> it, it is um, school, and, and the reality is this is what my kids have to deal with on a day-to-day, so you just imagine the distractions, and they still have to learn throughout it, um, but you know, it is my world and, um, I love every minute of it. Well, I, like I said, I can't thank you enough. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern. That's just right. 
because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, 
K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.